Well, man, have a seat. It is great to see all of you here today. How many of you are still uh, kind of waking up from the turkey coma? Everybody good? Man, I'll tell you what, you know, our, our uh, stomachs are full, our hearts are full. Can we just admit today that um, we, uh, we live in the land of plenty? Amen. And as we've said through the, our last sermon series where we talked about where our heart was, we recognize the reality that because we live in this land of plenty, because we live and have been provided so much, we, we have great responsibility. And so we want to take that. And we want to focus also on the reality of what God means for us. And so um, there's, there's interesting, I mean, Christmas 2022 is here, and, and there's all kinds of things that go on. You, you probably have lots of your own Christmas traditions that you're busy with, um, but the reality is there's Christmas traditions all over the world. Uh, some of them maybe you know about, some of them you don't know about, you probably have some at home. You know, how many of you have ones that you think are just unique to your family, Everybody's got some, some traditions, you know, some things. Like our tradition is that, we, um, that uh, Christmas music is not allowed until we're on our way home from Thanksgiving, <laughs> right? But yeah, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> but, um, but I will throw um, my wife under the bus. She's been watching Hallmark movies for the last couple weeks already. So, um, but there's some really interesting Christmas traditions around the world. Uh, there, there's this one in Sweden, and it, it, it centers around what's called the Yule Goat, okay? You, you, you have the Yule Log, they have the Yule Goat, and they build this 40-foot-tall goat out of, like, all kinds of twigs and branches, but then, and, and then on Christmas Eve, they're supposed to, like, burn the thing up, but there's a tradition that all the people in town try to burn it down before Christmas Eve, They've even resorted to flaming arrows from a distance to try to catch this thing on fire. And since 1969, I, I don't know why they chose that day because they've been doing a lot longer than that. But since 1969, um, it has successfully been burned down even before December starts, okay, uh, like 16 times. So I, I don't, it's just a crazy tradition they have. Um, one of the other ones that you may be aware of is uh, in Austria. In Austria, they have this thing where, like for us, we, we, we have the, you know, our version of Santa Claus, and Santa, you know, he has a sack, and he brings toys to all the good girls and boys, and, and what do the bad girls and boys get? Yeah, you get coal in your thing. In Austria, man, it's crazy. They have a guy named Krampus, okay, or Krampus, I think it is, and, and he goes around, and he's the counterpart to Santa, and he goes around, and he doesn't just give them coal, he kidnaps the bad girls and boys, and puts them in his sack and takes them away to Lord knows where, right? So that's a pretty scary thing. So, I mean, talk about scaring your kids into submission for the holidays, right? Um, another one that I learned, which I thought was really interesting, and I don't know if there's anybody here who's from Japan or who's spent time in Japan, but uh, does anybody know what the, what the meal, like, you know, we were like, mostly we eat turkey at Thanksgiving, and then maybe at, um, how, how many of you do turkey again at Christmas? Some of you, how many of you do like ham at Christmas? How many of you do like prime rib at Christmas, coming to your house? Yeah, coming to your house, okay, no. So, um, but there's, you know, everyone has these traditions. You know what the meal is in, in Japan? What everybody wants in Japan? 
Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> they, sell, they sell more chicken at Christmas time in Japan than any other time of year because everyone gets Kentucky Fried Chicken for Christmas dinner, which is really interesting. But out of all the countries in the world, um, the one common denominator, the one thing that everybody celebrates is gift giving, right? No matter what their cultures are, no matter what uh, even religion they, they espouse to, everybody at Christmas time, they give gifts. And, and giving gifts has become a huge thing. Now, we in America, we like set the bar a little too high, okay, when it, when it comes to this aspect. Last year, Americans spent $843 billion, with a B, dollars on Christmas. Now, now, to put that into some kind of perspective, okay, $843 billion is more, it, we spend more in one month than the GDP of all but 17 countries in the world. And we spend it in one month, right? Which is pretty, pretty crazy. Americans spend just over $1,000 per household on Christmas. And I'm guessing, depending on the makeup of your home, some of you are thinking, boy, those people are getting off easy, right? Uh, around the world, though, which is interesting, we don't spend the most. In fact, we were number six on the list. Anybody want to guess which country spends the most money on Christmas every year per family, per capita? Anybody want to guess? It's real, you'll never guess it, okay? Unless you're from there, maybe. Lebanon. Yeah, interesting. But here's the catch. They spend almost all of their money on food, Right? Almost none on, on presents. It's almost all on food. And, and then there's Canada, France, Mexico, Australia. Same thing. We, in the United States, we spend the most money on presents. The other countries spend the majority of their money on food. And on the complete other side of the spectrum, in Uganda, the average Ugandan household spends $44 for Christmas, which for them is huge, but it's spent entirely on food. Research done by Hallmark, Hallmark tells us that Americans spend 3.2, again, billion, with a B, $3.2 billion on wrapping paper alone. Now, here's what I found was really interesting, and this, this really caused me a pause this week, is $3.2 billion it is about the same amount, it's actually slightly higher, than the GDP of the country of Liberia that I got to go to this last year, and more than 54 other countries in the world. I mean, just what we spend on wrapping paper, just the stuff that we peel off, crinkle up, throw away, or throw in the fire. We spend all that just to wrap things up and make them look nice. Um, maybe, maybe, my thought is this, maybe we ought to just um, recycle all of our Trader Joe bags and just put all of our gifts in those instead of spending wrapping paper and, and then save the money, the money that we saved we could send over to Liberia, right, who is in desperate need of things for like the medical center that we help build. And for those of you who haven't been here for a while, we help build a medical center in Liberia for the people there. And here's some great news. Um, in the last week, they saved two more lives at the medical center, and they helped one lady. Yeah, you can clap for that. 
Um, and, and they helped one lady who was going into labor prematurely uh, put off her labor, and the baby was born, and everything ended up great at the end of the week. So, um, so they're doing an amazing thing there on very little. 42% of Americans will go into more credit card debt at the holidays. We will put $70 billion on credit cards on Black Friday. How many of you helped out? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand. Okay, I know. So we're, we're all guilty together, right? So when the new year rolls around, we all wake up from the financial hangover and the bills hit. But here's the thing, right? This is what it means to be an American. This is what we do. And, and the kids need stuff, right? The kids need more stuff. That, that's that's kind of what's in our heads. And, and the kids need better stuff. Most of the money that we spend on all of this stuff for, for uh Christmas, we spend the most on electronics, surprise, 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 right, so that we can all be on our cell phones and devices in the same room and apart from each other, right, which we'll talk about more in just a minute. So I'm not suggesting at all that we totally get away with the present idea, but I am suggesting that maybe, just maybe, there's a better way, and maybe, just maybe, we need to adjust our focus just a little bit more. Because in a world that is concentrating on presence, presence with a T, we need to be a church that's concentrating or focused on presence. And, that, and that's really what we want to take time to, to focus on this morning. The word present, present with a T-S at the end, it has multiple meanings, right? There's present like a gift, right? There's a present like, you, you know, you have under the Christmas tree. And then there's present like being in attendance because, you know, when, when the teacher is calling roll and all the kids say here, 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 and then there's that one smarty kid who says present, right? Present, you know, how many of you were that kid? You're present, so don't, yeah, don't embarrass, okay. Oh, thanks, Nelson. So, now, Present, present can be now, like, like in this present hour, like it means like right now. The, the present also means to give or deliver, right? To, you, to present a, a speech, to present a sermon, to present something. It's like to, to offer something up, to give something, right? The word present has tons of meaning. The word presence, however, um, is a little bit more narrowly focused. Presence means being somewhere. And the somewhere can be anywhere, but the whole idea is being, right? And being attentive in that somewhere that you are. Too often our bodies can be in one place and our minds and attention are somewhere else. How many of you have had the same experience that I have that you can have a whole family in the living room or around a table and we're all in different worlds? How many of you live that every day? Just raise your hands if that's kind of your experience, okay? Because let's, let's just admit we're all kind of in this craziness together, right? I mean, family in the living room, family there, and, and, and everybody's on their devices, right? So often we share our space, but not our lives. Way too often we sit together, but we're far apart. Way too often we, we are just not present not only with one another, but with God. And, and Christmas time is no different. 
Because of the pace and the busyness, because of what we try to cram into a a month of time, it's very hard sometimes to be fully present, to, to have your attention be fully there in a place where you are with the people that are there with you. But Jesus wants way more for us. Jesus has a better way. He always does. He he wants us to be fully present, to be fully engaged, to give ourselves completely to him and to the folks around us. How many of you would like that to be the story of your Christmas this year, to experience presence? Not, Not just presence with the people around you, but his presence in our lives. But this is exactly what Jesus did for us at Christmas. God's presence is the central reality of the story of Christmas, and it is the most miraculous thing about Christmas. God's presence is powerful. We, we, we want to talk just a little bit about God's presence because I think sometimes we can get confused. But, but Christmas, essential to the story of Christmas, is God becoming present. Not that he already wasn't, but present in a new way. Like we read already, John chapter 1, verse 14 says, The Word became flesh. And if we stopped right there, we could ponder that for hours and hours and hours and not do it justice. The Word Jesus, the creator, the son of God, the one enthroned in heaven became or took on flesh and he made his dwelling among us. He came to stay with us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. God came to be present with us in a way that we could see and touch and feel, and hear. C.S. Lewis says this, Christ's birth is, is where the profoundest and most unfathomable depths of the Christian revelation lie. Nothing in fiction, all of fiction, is so fantastic as is the truth of the incarnation. What, what I think C.S. Lewis is getting at is this. The, he says, the profoundest, most unfathomable depths of the Christian revelation lie here. It's because God revealed himself completely to us by taking on human form. To, to actually be in a physical form that we could see, that people touched, that people could hug, that people, people could feel, that people could crucify. His presence came fully to us and he revealed himself to us. But I love it, he says, nothing in fiction, in all of fiction, is so fantastic. In other words, think about fiction. What what is fiction? It's what's not real, right? And, And our minds can go all over the place. Some of you like to read fiction, some of you like to write fiction, some of you like to watch it on the screen. You know, I mean, how many of you are Star Wars buffs? You've watched all of the episodes, Disney Plus, Mandalorian, or Andor, and whatever else, and you're just all over it, right? Nothing, I I love this idea, nothing is so fantastic. Nothing is so, like, mind-blowingly amazing. Nothing is more unfathomable than the reality that God, the God of the universe, would put himself, confine himself into a human body. And there's nothing more fantastic than that truth. 
part of the Christmas story that we read all the time. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. God present. God here in the here and now. God in history. Now, Sometimes we get all mistaken about what God's presence is, right? Um, what, so I want to talk real quickly about what God's presence is not, okay? Um, God's presence is not um, the goosebumps, right? Sometimes, sometimes you get the goosebumps, right? Sometimes somebody will say something and, and it sounds like, oh, that sounds really good. And you, 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 I, I hear people do that all the time here at church. And for those of you who have said that to me, I'm not thinking of you right now. Okay, and it's okay to say that because sometimes it does give you, it, you know, like it, it, it impacts you, right, in amazing ways. But it's, it's not the goosebumps, right? It, it, it's not an emotional feeling. It, it's not just the feeling of being inspired, although all of us want to be inspired, right? But, but when you get inspired, that doesn't mean, that's not just, you know, it, now, it, could it be a sign that God's presence is there? Well, absolutely, and I'll explain that in just a second, but... You know, it, it's not when the worship team plays your favorite song, right? It's, it's not like, oh, some of you leave and go, oh, man, the presence of the Lord was here today, right? Um, as if it wasn't last week. You know, so, some, of you, some of you come in and you just, oh, I just, I, you know, the presence of the Lord is, is in this place. I, I, have, I have news for all of you. This morning at 3 a.m., when the lights were off, when no one was in this room, God's presence was here. And what I like to think is he was waiting for you. He was so excited that you might show up today. But he was here. He was here when we were not. And, and the reality is, is God is here all the time. God is here when this place is full of people and when it's empty. God, God is really here. I mean, God really is here this morning. When we say things like, oh, the Spirit of the Lord is here this morning, or hey, you know, that song, oh man, we played that song, and man, the, the, the Lord was just here, the Lord was in that song, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, when, when our prayer, didn't they sound amazing this morning? Oh my gosh, right? But, yeah, you can clap for that. That's all good. We love it. Because they're doing what the last couple sermons were about, using their gifts and stuff, right? So that's good. But if, but if I sing that song, nobody walks out going like, oh, the Lord was here this morning. 
they'd be like, oh, Ken was here this morning, but I don't know about the Holy Spirit, man. Oh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there, right? But, but that's the, so here, here's the thing. When, when we say that, when we say those things, it, it says more about us than it does about God. But that tends to be our tendency, doesn't it? We, we think more about us than we do about him. When, when we say, oh, the presence of the Lord, I, you know, the presence of the Lord is here this morning, it, it says more about us. It says more about like the fact that we are, that, that we're recognizing it, right? In fact, um, I, this is my illustration. See, and I'm, I'm practicing my sermon. I've got my, my Trader Joe's back here this morning. But um, any, anybody recognize this? Little dandy? Yeah. Anybody even have one of these anymore? Yeah, kind of cool, right? Oh, hold on. It's actually got the antenna on there. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, listen. Everybody, shh, be quiet. Do you hear it? Do you hear the music? Listen just a little harder. Do you hear the music? Anybody? Good. We don't have to call anybody to come in here and take you out in a straitjacket. <laughs> Got to turn it on first. Oh. Oh. Okay, it tuned in better. I'm Tiffany. I have some tips for you on how to quit smoking. Like... Uh-oh. Tells me something about you because I see those of you going like this. I can tell what generation you're from. Yeah. Country fans, come on, country on, right? Okay, okay, so here's the thing. So here's what, this is like this for so many of us. That music is here. It was here before I turned on the radio, right? It's, it's just, it's there. It's all around us, it's there, that's how this, and this thing picks it up when it gets turned on and we tune in. That's, for a lot of us, the comparison I wanna make is this, is that when it comes to our relationship with God, he is here. He is all around us. But very few of us take the time to truly tune in, to listen to him. We tune into all kinds of other stations we tune into all kinds of other stuff. But do we actually take the time and do we like get ourselves tuned in to the presence of God? The whole idea of Advent, we were talking about this with our guest services team actually this morning. Um, the whole idea of Advent is this idea of preparation that we prepare ourselves, that we position ourselves just like I position this little dial to tune in to catch what's there. It's already there. God is already there. What we need to do, <coughs> excuse me, is take the time 
to dial in and to pay attention, to seek him out and to be in his presence, to get our lives in position so that we, <coughs> excuse me, can enjoy, be in, learn from his presence. And, and that's really what that's all about for us. Now, <coughs> so, many believers that I know, they will say they believe in God. They'll even say he's, you know, the big word is omnipresent, right? Omniscient uh, means he knows everything. Omnipresent means he's everywhere at all times. Like the fullness of God is everywhere at all times. Here's what's, here's what's amazing. Before Christmas, before baby Jesus got to the manger in Bethlehem, which by the way, do you realize what he went through for you? The God who lives in total perfection got pushed through a birth canal. Right? In a stable where his first smell was probably manure. Like, I mean, so, I mean, think about what God did for you. And he didn't do it because he wasn't here already. He did it so you could recognize his presence. And so that in a very physical form, he could make a sacrifice on your behalf to pay the debt that you owed. So that you, who could not pay the debt, could be saved. And, and so he did that all for us. But so many believers aren't tuning in regularly to God's presence. Now, what God's presence is, this whole idea of being omnipresent, that he's everywhere, it simply is that God is. Wherever you are, he's already there. He beat you to it. He beat you there. When you were awake, God was already there. There are some mornings, we have this big kind of oversized chair thing in our bedroom, and, and usually I'm, I'm like side sleeper, so I'm usually laying on the side when my eyes open up in the morning. And sometimes I look at that chair, and I just imagine that God has already been there for hours, just kind of going, hey, Ken. Hey, Ken, when are you going to wake up? Hey, Ken, pay attention to me, right? There are some nights when he just pops me straight out of bed and puts names in my head, and I just go, okay, it's time to pray, right? But his presence is always there. It's not there just because I'm awake or because I've tuned in. He's always there. He's always present. And, and he's present. In the life of the believer, the person who's already said Jesus is, is Christ, Jesus is Lord, then he says, then the Holy Spirit, like this power of God is alive inside of us. We've talked about that a little the last few weeks. His power is inside of us. It's present. It's there. It's just waiting to get out and waiting to be used. He's waiting for you to tap into it. He's waiting for you to dial in. That's more than anything else this Christmas. I, I hope that you get, that God is just waiting for you. He's waiting for you to dial in, to be present with him. And here we go, running to the mall, online, right? Most of us are doing online shopping, right? And as soon as you're done with online shopping, you're checking the scores or checking the, you know, cooking channel or whatever else you're doing. We're just like one thing to another. And we just boom, 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 boom. And the problem with most of us, I don't know about you, but this is my problem, I know for sure, is our attention spans are so short that even when I give God some attention, it's like, boop, it's just a blip. And God is waiting for us to pay attention. 
A couple things that, that I just wanted to talk about God's presence. Number one, God's presence is comforting. How many of you could use God's comfort this morning? God's presence is so comforting. I love where, where King David in Psalms 139, starting in verse 7, he says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Well, nowhere, because he's everywhere. If I go up into heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Folks, that is good news this morning. That God is there to be with you, to comfort you, to, to be present with you. That, that you can't run fast enough or far enough to get away from him. He is, wants you to be present with him. That's why it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with you. Because before you walked through it, he already went through it. Before you ever walked through the valley of the shadow of death, he's already been there. He already walked through there. Jesus already went through the valley of the shadow of death and he died on a cross, was buried in a tomb, and he came back to life. He's already been there. God is already present. Will you recognize his presence there because he wants to comfort you in whatever situation you're in. He is with you. But God's presence is also frightening. And I think sometimes we don't pay enough attention to that. I, I love in, in Exodus chapter 20, the children of Israel, if they hadn't already seen enough, right? They saw the 10 plagues and all the craziness that happened in Egypt and all of that other stuff. They, they, um, they walked through the Red Sea. I mean, come on. The Red Sea parted and they walked through on dry ground. When you see that, that's got to mess you up. I mean, I am just like crazy enough to go like, really, it's safe to go through there? Right? I mean, but that, I mean, that was their experience. You talk about encountering God. God showed up, split a sea in half so that you could go through, and then all of your enemies ended up drowning in the sea behind. And that, I mean, that's power. But then they get to the mountain, Mount Sinai, and, and listen to what happens. Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 to 21. This is right after Moses gets the Ten Commandments. It says this, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and Moses said, speak to us, and they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, God has come to test you so that the Fear of God will be with you and keep you from sinning. We need some more of that. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. God's presence is awesome. Not awesome like, dude, that's totally awesome. But awesome like, like you can't speak awesome. Another person that experienced the presence of God was the prophet Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord 
high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphims, each had six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying. And they were all crying out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and, shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Then listen to Isaiah's response. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live in a, among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When the writer of Hebrews shares this story, he talks about the reality that our God is a consuming fire. That's frightening. And it said in Exodus that God did this so that we would have a proper fear for him. But let me tell you, while we focus on the fear, while we focus on the awesome and the power and the majesty and even the judgment and all of that of God, listen to me, that is really good news. That is really good news for every single one of us. You know why? That powerful God, that God who makes the thresholds of the earth tremble, that God who can rip the skies in two, that God who is all-powerful, almighty, who is everything and who deserves our awe, that God, he came for you. That is good news. When he is your savior, whom shall you fear? When that God's got your back, what else do you possibly need? So even his fear is good news to us. And God so desperately wants to be with you. The good news is that our Heavenly Father loves us so much and wants to so desperately be with us that he came for us. And like we read earlier, he, he didn't send somebody else. He didn't just send the angels down. He didn't say, angels, go work this plan. Go take care of this, Right? That's not how he did it. He could have spoke anything into being. He could have done it any way he wanted to because he's God. But instead, he came. He came. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. That he showed up for you and he showed up for me. Again, C.S. Lewis, he says this, the son of God became man to enable men to become sons of God. Man, just... That's in your notes somewhere, I think. Just, you go meditate on that all week. The Son of God became man so that men could become sons of God. So the question this morning is this, okay? In a couple minutes we have left. How will you respond to that? How will you respond to the gift of God's presence? If we recognize that God's presence is here, just like the, just like the sound waves that get dialed in from the street, how are you going to tune in? How are you going to dial in to God's presence, to the gift of his presence this holiday season? How are you going to do that? Now, lots of ways to respond. And when we respond to God and his power and his awesomeness and his amazement and his comfort and his peace and grace and all those things, when we respond, we around him, we call that worship. 
right? We worship him as we respond to that. What we do in response is our worship to him. And so we want to respond. And this Christmas season, our biggest hope is that you encounter him and then respond back. And you respond to his presence and you experience, you encounter God's presence. So how? I, I would just say this. Come up with little things, okay? We, we've got a special thing that we're going to do as a church family together this year. But I would say this. Just come up with little things, little special things that, that draw attention. You don't have to get over the top crazy creative or whatever, right? But just pull in little things here and there. Like look for God's presence and point it out. Here's a big challenge for you. If you go to the mall, try to find any sign of Jesus. He's there. You will have to find him. Right? But that's our world. It, you have to seek him. You will find him when you seek him and when you seek him with all your heart, the word says. But do little things. Like, like for instance, here, here's, here, here's a couple things. Um, I think you want to do things that are going to help point out um, or help you be present with Jesus this Christmas. Uh, this week in your home or maybe in your life group, right, which we hope that you're in a life group, or then ask this question. Just ask a simple question. If you go home and ask your kids, by the way, the kids of all ages, they're, they're all talking about some of the same stuff over the holiday season, so just ask this question at home, maybe on the way home from church. How is Jesus with us? How is Jesus with us? Just talk about it. Just, just like have conversation. Put away the phones and have conversation. How is Jesus with us? Then, how many of you already did your decorating? How many of you have lots of decorating to do? All right, good. So, while you're decorating, right, use decorations and ornaments and things like that to build family traditions. So we have a little one, we have a little one that, that I was gonna ask my girls if they, if they even remembered this. Um, I, I thought about putting some of them on the spot because some of them are here this morning. So, um, like when we're decorating our Christmas tree, for instance, hey, we have a star that goes on top, represents a star that the wise men followed, right? And I have these little, um, since I was a little teeny kid, I have these little um, nativity ornaments. And, and the rule in our family is, is that dad puts that ornament up on top and there's no ornament that is allowed to be higher than Jesus on our tree. It's a little thing. Sounds kind of crazy, right? It's not a big deal. But it says something. It says, hey, we celebrate Christmas, but you know what? When we put Jesus up on top, I think the only thing I've ever put above that little thing is an angel, right? Because, well, you know, it's part of the story. So, again, don't, don't, you're like going, come on, Ken, like all those years of theology training and that's what you come up with? <laughs> yeah. Jesus is on top, right? Come on. That's, it's, it needs to be that simple, right? What, what if, what if, what if his family, what if you went out this week and you took your kids and you bought all of them a little nativity ornament, okay? And, and then you started that tradition together so that when they get to be big people and have a Christmas tree of their own, that they keep it going and remember that Jesus is the most important thing. He's on top at Christmas. By the way, if you're struggling to find the Christmas ornament, 
you could buy it online, but it's more fun to go let the kids pick it out. But you'll have to probably go to Hobby Lobby to find one. Very few other places are going to have nativity ones these days. You can find them. Um, but but go, what if you took the kids out and you did that? Or, or you went and you had them pick out an ornament that had something to do with the Christmas story. You just all go shopping together. Hey, everybody pick out an ornament, but it has to have something to do with the Christmas story. And then you all come home and you put those at the top of your tree. See, it's that simple, folks. It's just, it's, it's telling our family, it's, tell, it's taking a minute and saying, this is why this is so important to us. This is why this is more important than the $3.2 billion that we will spend on wrapping paper. This is why this is important. So use those little things to tell the story. The other thing is be present with each other. Here, here's probably the hardest challenge that I'm gonna make, and I'm gonna just be honest, this is gonna be the hardest for me over the holiday season, and my wife doesn't even know this yet. I know, she's sitting here going like, uh-oh, what's he doing? So, is that after dinner, or before we sit down for dinner, um, that the phones go in a basket, or the phones go away from us, and we don't look at them until the next morning. Yes, yeah, some of you just got scared. Okay, just remember this. The God who created the universe, he's got it all taken care of while you're not on your phone. Now I realize some of you are like, oh, but what if something happens at work? You know what? When, when, sometimes when we go places, I give my phone to Brenda, and then she looks at it, and then she determines if it's that important, right? But just do it to be present with each other. Sit and have conversation with each other around the dinner table instead of everybody doing everything else and being somewhere else. Be present together. The other thing is maybe watch a movie. This week, watch, watch a Christmas movie together. Okay, I love Christmas movies. But, but find one that has some, okay, I mean, how many of you think Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Right? Yeah, because yeah. there's a Christmas tree in it that gets run over by a car, right? And you think it's a Christmas movie. Come on. No. <laughs> I like Die Hard. It's not on my list of Christmas movies, right? Christmas movies are fun. Find, here, here's your big challenge. Find one that has something to do with the real Christmas story. When you start to struggle with that, there's a couple written on your little piece of paper there. Okay, there's like, um, one, if, if your kids are old enough and, and can do it, the, the, little, the story, the nativity story is an amazing one. It's really, really good. Um, and, and I encourage you to watch that. Or The Star, if your kids are little. There's even a VeggieTales one, which, you know, we used to watch, and unfortunately I've memorized. Um, we'll probably break it out again because the grandkids are <laughs> there now. But just watch them, and then, but watch it together and talk about, like, the story of Christmas. But together as a church family, we've got something for you that, that we want to do. Um, and, and believe me, there's a, a lot of people who've put a lot of effort into this. Um, and, and our biggest prayer is that this will all work. Um, when you walk out today, if you haven't already got one, there's a, there's a bag and it's got some stuff in it. Um, the, the main thing that's in there's some instructions, okay? Everything comes with instructions. Okay, don't do with these instructions what you do with the instructions for the other stuff you get. Okay, you will actually want to take a look at these. And, and so what, what happens is you're going to take this, um, and you have a box, and it conveniently says do not open until Christmas, right? 
Um, and so on Christmas morning this year, because it's on Christmas, um, we won't be here together, but we are putting together, we have this really amazing video thing that you can watch in the comfort of your own home with your kids and stuff. It's going to be really fun. Um, we, we hope it's uh, uh, really fun for you. And so you pull out this little box. It's got the little slit in the top, right? Everybody see? see? Everybody, it's got a little slit in the top. So what we're going to encourage you to, to do, then there's a little baggie, and it's got um, several of these little wooden, um, like little bookmark things and a little string. And so today's, you, you find the one that says presents, okay? Not presents, presents, okay, with a C. And what we want you to do is we want you to take some time, um, maybe it's today, maybe it's tomorrow, whenever you get together as a family, sit down, have dinner or something, and then together you talk, okay, talk about something. Maybe it's, you know, you go and get an ornament or you go and you sit down and watch a movie and then you pull this little thing out, little teeny thing here, and you talk about the, the question we said, how do we see Jesus with us, right, at Christmas time? And, and then the whole idea is this, is how do we respond to his presence? How do we give him his, how do we give him our presence back as a gift? And so what we want you to do, and it, and it may be like, you know, you may be, we're all going to put our phones away, <laughs> you know, it might be watch a movie, it might be you know, it might be the answer to that question. You know, we saw God's presence in, you know, what, whatever, whatever you come up with. And you write something on the blank on the back side of this, right? And then you stick it in the box. Did I lose anybody? <laughs> Did we make that too complicated? Okay? So you take the little thing out. You ask the question, how do we see Jesus in the Christmas season? How do we experience his presence? You write something on there. Stick it in the box, okay? Everybody got it simple? Now here's the thing, you're gonna keep this box closed until Christmas morning, okay? Then we're gonna all, from all kinds of different fun locations, wherever you might be, we're going to open those boxes together, all right? So this is just, again, our attempt to help you with this process of being in recognizing the presence and doing something each week that calls our attention to the awesome, incredible power and presence of Jesus during this holiday season. The idea is that God has given us his incredible gift of presence. He is with us. Not just during the holiday season, but all year round. Jesus is with us. But can we just use this month to really focus in on the reality of his presence with us? The season lends itself really well to identifying his presence. And then we want to ask, how do we return this gift to a generous, giving, graceful, heavenly father who came for us? And we, we want to recognize God's presence everywhere we go. Most importantly, as we gather and especially in our homes. Because there is no gift greater. There is no greater present than the presence of Jesus. And that's what we want to focus on this holiday season. So this morning we're reminded that he came he came in a manger, he came for us, 
And each week we are reminded as we take communion that his presence ultimately culminated in his sacrifice that purchased our forgiveness and our freedom. And so this morning as we enter into this time of communion, I'm just going to pray for us. And then I, I pray that you will just sit and just soak it all in. Think for a few minutes that the God who created everything, the God who created you and who created me, the God who continues to help our world spin on its axis and provide oxygen for us to breathe, the God that has given us everything, every good and perfect gift, that God, he's not out there somewhere watching. He is here. He is surrounding us. He is with us. He is present, and he's paying attention to you. Would you take some time this morning to soak that in? And just be present with him for a couple moments. And then when you're ready, maybe thank him for this gift. And then take the emblems, the cup that represents his shed blood that forgives our sins and the bread that represents Jesus' broken body. But take some time. Be present with him because he's present with you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift of your presence. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the way that you love us and save us and are with us. Father, help us to see the awesomeness of your power, but also feel the tenderness of your touch. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus that helps us be able to be in your presence forever. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.